Welcome, everybody, to another wonderful week in the world of the Alpha Sports. This is episode 38 of RSPN, and things might be a little bit different from what we originally expected to be happening this week. And I'm going to get to why, because normally after I welcome everybody to another great week to talk about what's going on in the world of NBA basketball, it always follows with two names. I point to my right, and I note that Jeff is here. I point over to my side, and I point that I am here. But there's a reason that it's a little bit different this week. Also noted, this was supposed to originally be the season finale, the end of season four of RSPN, with our exit interview with the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver. But he is not here this week. We received communication from the NBA front offices that he will actually be here next week to finalize everything between Jeff and I. Jeff will also be back next week. But let's explain two reasons as to why I am here in the RSPN studios. Lights are a little bit dim, but we have a special guest that we are going to introduce with us this week. Front offices hit me up after this weekend, after two great episodes that Jeff and I had last week, previewing, excuse me, what was left with the NBA Finals. But we also found our new NBA champion in the Milwaukee Bucks. Episodes were very well received, so that is amazing. But we received communication that Adam Silver is very busy with this Thursday's NBA draft. Amongst other things that are going on in the league that they kept pretty short about. I mean, free agency is on Monday, so I fairly understood. But I'm not very bothered because he actually did Jeff a very good solid this week that I think even even Jeff would be able to have high praise for. After our NBA Finals fallout episode on Thursday, uh, things changed in his city of Atlanta. And he was very vocal to me on how these changes have affected him mentally, spiritually, emotionally. If I can put it in terms that are fairly brief, uh, Jeff wants to leave the city after people have infiltrated Atlanta for this Donda listening event. There's a lot of odd people that are in the city that have not made him the most comfortable. A lot of stannery going on. A lot of push the T stands all around right now. He wants to get into an area to clear his mind, an area to clear his mind. And the commissioner actually helped. Jeff is on a private island. The only thing that he told me, well, he told me two things. One, he's going to be back next week. Two, it's not Tulum. That's the only two things that he told me. So I trust Jeff to be safe. I trust Jeff to be safe. He's out of the States. I am in the States for this week, though. We still have plenty that is here to talk about in the Alpha Sport. And I have a voice that you are very, very familiar with in the world of Elite. You already hear him on the Play for Keeps podcast with Drew, and they have had an incredible season two so far. You have heard him in just about every other facet that has been involved with Elite. I did not want to leak this out, but I, I think I got I think I got to say it. He might be working with Jack to try and improve these spaces in future updates. Cameron Hay, very busy man, but thankfully with us on RSPM this week to be able to talk about varying things that are going on now that we are in an off-season area in the NBA. Cam, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Always happy to be on RSPM, bro. Can't can't complain at all. Glad you had me on this week. Can you confirm that uh, any uh, can you confirm any spaces updates that we are to be receiving in the coming months? Now that we've seen not only communication from elite from a sports perspective, whether it's basketball, football, baseball as well, y'all been doing very well on that. But also the music spaces have been going up. I can't lie. Yeah, man. Yeah, like I can't confirm or deny any communication with Jack, but I will <laughs> let you know he is from St. Louis which is also my stumping ground. Oh, wow. So you so you so you're only getting the betas while everybody else has to, while everybody else has to wait. Do do with that information what you must. <laughs> Take it how you want. Well, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully there's uh there's also some St. Louis conversation that we are going to have this week in uh, a smaller aspect, I would say. 
But yes, as much as the Alpha Sport is going to have a pretty busy week, Adam is now preparing for that. You can expect to hear him next week on the season finale. But that leaves us with plenty to talk about, too, because I think from a I think as far as the NBA circles, there's been conversation on the NBA, uh, the U.S. men's basketball team. Of course, the U.S. women's basketball team has been doing very well and has not had the conversations that the, the men's basketball team has been uh, surrounded by. But there's also the draft on Thursday. And then on Monday at 6 p.m. is free agency. So although there is a decent amount that is going to happen, not only within the next week as, as far as like offseason, the early portions of the offseason, uh, we still have free agency that is to come. And that actually reminds me, I didn't get your opinion on what happened last week. Jeff and I had a few of opinions, some short opinions on the champion Milwaukee Bucks and what it means for the next era of NBA stars. How do you like how the NBA finals ended? Um, I had vested rooting interest, of course, with Chris Paul. He's one of my favorite players ever. So it hurt me to see him not get that championship, but I was also happy he got to play on that stage. As far as what I feel like this does for the NBA going forward, I think that this should definitely put pressure on, front offices in small market uh, Mm -hmm. cities because Milwaukee didn't have a a history of winning or competing before Giannis got there. And uh, like this was their first championship in in 50 years. And before he got there, they were just kind of either a team that didn't make the playoffs or they were in that seven, eight range um, for, for a while. So to see a franchise, get a guy like him in the doors. And remember he was not, expected to be the man for them at first he got drafted and they had jabari parker who they took with the second overall pick mm-hmm. and they expected jabari to be the guy and then injuries uh derailed jabari on top of Giannis, his rapid development so i think that this is a good sign for the nba going forward you have a a franchise and a small market that i don't i don't know if you can say anything other than they lucked into drafting one of the greatest players of all time outside of outside of the lottery. He was not a lottery pick either. And for him to develop into this and for them to realize as they watch him develop, like we have a legitimate chance. We have this guy who's a potential top 10 player and he surpassed that potential top five player. And now he surpassed that to being arguably the best player on the planet. They were aggressive, whether it was with the signing of Chris Middleton about six years ago and then Chris Middleton developing on their watch as well uh, after spending just one year in Detroit. And then, Trying to make all the rules to fill in the margins the last couple of years, whether it was acquiring Eric Bledsoe or signing Brooke Lopez or even firing Jason Kidd. A lot of franchises would have been content with Jason Kidd as the head coach with just making the playoffs like they were doing. Like they mm-hmm. were making the playoffs with Kidd as the head coach, but they weren't contending and they, they didn't get comfortable with it. Even with Giannis speaking as highly as he has of Jason Kidd and how much Jason Kidd meant to his development as a player, they could have gotten complacent and just been like, yo, Giannis likes him, so we'll just keep him. But no, they fired him, and then they hired Mike Budenholzer, who was the coach of the year in Atlanta, and he came over. And when they signed Brooke Lopez, they they were serious about contending and building a contender around their best player. And and Giannis rewarded their aggressiveness by signing a long-term deal, and then they repaid him by trading for Drew Holiday this off this past offseason. And mm-hmm. as you saw in the finals and this whole season, like that paid dividends. That paid major dividends. So I'm hoping that this shows front offices and small markets that you can be aggressive in trying to build a, a contender around a cornerstone franchise player. Um, whether it was it's in cities like New Orleans, who have Zion Williamson right now, or even somewhere like Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns or anywhere. Detroit has the number one pick coming up right now in this upcoming draft. And if whoever they take number one develops into whatever you expect the number one overall pick to become, I hope that this shows you can be aggressive in a small market. And if you're aggressive, you can retain the player that you have that could be a potential cornerstone player. They won't be on the run to leave out immediately when their rookie deal is up. They might stay and reward you guys or reward you guys for being aggressive and you could be the next Milwaukee Bucks. So I think it's a great thing for the league. I don't have a problem with super teams. I don't have a problem with players leaving and going to form teams where they want to take their destiny into their own hands. More power to them. That's what free agency is for. But I think that this also provides another avenue and shows it is possible. 
to win in the place you were drafted. Are there a lot of players that you're excited to see on Thursday? Just just faces, uh, seeing which teams end up picking up some of your favorites. Where are like some good names? Because you are, I think I've, I think I've, Jeff has tried to maneuver me into getting a little bit more into NCAA basketball. And every time that I try and do it in March Madness, I'm, I think I'm, gra- I'm gradually getting better, I think is the term that I should, that I should really use with it. But when it comes to draft night, I'm always just enjoying the moment. Outside of like the few names that end up dominating, like your NBA spaces, your ESPN, your Fox, like your usual media that does that draft coverage. What are some good names that you're looking for? Um, well, of course, you know, Kay Cunningham is going first overall. Well, I'm not going to say he's going first overall. Let me take that back. The Pistons are unsure of who they want to take number one. They have three options. But for the majority of the season in college basketball, Kay Cunningham has been seen as the consensus top prospect. So I want to see where he lands. I want to see if Detroit is bold enough to to buck the status quo. What everybody has said is set in stone for the past nine or ten months. Are they bold enough to go in a different direction? Um, I want to see that. I'm also excited about James Boatnight out of UConn. He's a shooting guard. He's a sophomore. And I'm excited about him potentially being selected in the lottery. That's a, another interesting player that I'm excited to look at. Jalen Green also is another player that I'm, I'm excited about. I've been high on him since he was in high school out here in California. And getting a chance to see him realize his NBA dreams and get drafted, I think he has a lot of potential and a high ceiling, high upside as well. So those are probably the three guys. And then, of course, I'm I'm trying to see what the Lakers do <laughs> with mm. the 22nd pick. Do they keep the pick? Do they trade it? Like, I don't know what their, their plans are, but I'm excited about whatever it is that they're going to do. The draft always, you know, it's unpredictable because all it takes is one one team picking somebody who is not projected to go that high, and it throws the whole draft off. So it's always unpredictable. And then, of course, there's going to be trades. So mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just ready for it. I'm ready to be strapped in a Thursday night, see what – what the future of the NBA holds. Is it going to be an exciting lottery or at least an exciting first round? Because I remember, I would say for like the past few years, I know that as you watch the draft, you have so many different names that we start looking at things from a different perspective, a different set of eyes years later. And the things that we said on draft night end up being cold takes, end up being completely hot takes, the comparisons that we use end up being something that is really wild. I think they even had I think they even had a comparison right now on ah what was his name? I think it's I've seen Evan Mobley. Yes. That's the one with and I read <laughs> Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh and defensively he's Anthony Davis and I'm like, "Yo, like, <laughs> like yo, like what are we doing here?" like <laughs> And then I see the t- <laughs> I see the tweet that said, "Okay, so you're offensively and defensively some of the best. You're offensively a Hall of Famer. You're defensively a borderline Hall of Famer at this point, and you're going to get chose with the number two or number three pick. I don't know how yo, that bro, ends up working. Like, yo, if he if he's Chris Bosh on offense and Anthony Davis on defense, we're we're saying he's essentially the greatest power forward to ever play. The game <laughs> All <basketball. time. laughs> like, like, what are we doing here? Like, yo, like I, I always say this when draft night comes and everything, like. When you see these guys getting compared to Hall of Famers or um, NBA superstars or all-stars currently in the league, it's never good. Like, it's never good. Rarely do – you got to look at the NBA draft like this, bro. It's it's very rare you get drafts like the 2018 draft that have, you know, DeAndre Aiden, Luka, Trey Young, Jaron Jackson Jr., Shea Gilles Alexander, like Michael Porter. Drafts like that that produce like five, six, seven potential – like all-star level players. More mm-hmm. likely than not, you're going to have – your draft is going to probably produce maybe two or three guys who realistically become that level of player. And then everybody else is either going to become either a high-quality starter, a role player, or they just aren't going to hit. So we can't compare every – it can't be 10, 15 guys in every draft we're comparing them to current NBA all-stars. It just does not work out like that. It never does. So, like, saying a kid is going to be – a a Hall of Famer on offense who Chris Bosh is. He was a, a 20 and 10 guy before he went to Miami, and he was still getting 17, 18 points while playing next to LeBron and D Wade. Mm-hmm. And then you're saying he's going to be Anthony Davis on defense, who's one of the greatest defensive big men we've seen. A lot of current players in the league will tell you he's the best defensive player in the NBA. 
Like, it's just a, it's an unrealistic ceiling to place on that kid because 99% chance he's not going to reach it. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm excited to just see what comes from, because it, it's, it's always going to be, it's always going to be talked about after the fact like 2019 i remember outside of those first few lottery picks and obviously you had zion williamson you had john moran and so on and so forth people got a little bit less interested on what was to come after that but when you start having names that end up popping up like a like a a cameron johnson and things like that you see the improvements uh of what comes from Darius Garland's in that draft. DeAndre Darius Hunter's Garland. Mm-hmm. And like, now you start talking differently than how you were two years ago when it was actually happening. Yeah, man. Like, you you can never call these drafts in real time. Like, you never can. There, there's It's hard. There are very few drafts, like, where you go in and you know this is a special draft and it becomes a special draft. Like, 2003, people knew that was a special draft going in, and it ended up being special in real time. Like, people knew, all right, LeBron yeah. James, Carmelo Anthony – like Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, when four of the top five picks end up being Hall of Famers, first ballot type Hall of Fame guys, like you knew that going in and it it, it ended up becoming that. But then you also get drafts like this past when 2020 going into the draft, a lot of people were saying, yo, this is a weak draft. It's not a strong draft. It's, it's, a, it's a weak draft. And then you have guys like LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton come right out of the gate and play at a high level and now you're looking at like wait a minute like this draft might have been stronger than we were giving it credit for in real time you never know if a draft is going to be strong or weak until the guys that are drafted actually play in the nba <laughs> like we can believe that a draft is going to be strong or is going to be bad but until these guys actually turn into nba players and, and honestly get through their rookie deals you don't know what a draft is really like like i said it's very rare that you can say a draft is going to be strong going in and it ends up being that strong. There, there have been drafts that people expected to be bad and ended up being pretty good ones. Like, I remember 2011, the the 2011 NBA draft people thought was going to be weak going in because of the NBA lockout that was mm-hmm. going on. A lot of people were worried, like, yo, kids. Like, I remember Harrison Barnes stayed in school, Terrence Jones, and people were like, yo, this is putting a damper on this draft. But when you look at 2011, it's three for sure Hall of Famers in that draft. Kyrie Irving is going to the Hall of Fame. He was number one overall pick. Kawhi Leonard is going to the Hall of Fame. He was in the first round of that draft. Klay Thompson is going into the Hall of Fame. He was in the first round of that draft. Kimball Walker is a borderline Hall of Famer. He was in the first round of the draft. So you, you look back at these things, like like you said, you either end up with freezing cold takes or you get like vindicated as time passes. But at the end of the day, we don't know what's going to happen because <laughs> these NBA GMs, it's a crapshoot for them. <laughs> like they absolutely, don't... it's all a, it's it's all a risk. And even from a exactly. even from a fan's perspective, it's hard to view at. I remember the for the free past. I want to say two, let's say two months or so, because that's pretty much how how we've processed everything that's been happening from the NBA playoffs for at least a good two months or so. Some internal civil civil war in Heat Twitter started looking back at the 2015 draft and said, "Man." We were really blind back in 2015, not getting Devin Booker, and we chose Justice Winslow at the number 10 pick. It's like, how can you even, how can you predict hey, what are you going to see what happens with Devin at that point in time? Was he that nice in Kentucky to see that? First of all, Justice Winslow started on a national championship Duke team. Yeah. And, like, depending on who you ask, he ranges anywhere from their best player and most important player on that team once the tournament came around to their third best player. But either way, he was a top three player on a national championship team. Devin Booker, as good as he was, he was a McDonald's All-American at high school. He uh, was really, really good at Moss Point in Mississippi in high school. But he came off the bench on a loaded Kentucky team. I think Devin Booker averaged like 10 points flat his freshman year at Kentucky. And, like, this is something else a lot of people do not remember about Devin Booker when they always say, how is he not starting? How did he not start? Like, Devin Booker from, like, Late February until April, when they got to the Final Four, he really struggled at the end of the season. Like, he went into a crazy erratic shooting. Like, like he was erratic shooting the ball for, like, the last month and a half of the season for Kentucky that year. Mm-hmm. So, like, to go back in hindsight, everybody – Devin Booker is one of the main guys you see. Like, people are like, oh, how did you pass him up? Like, they redid the, the 2015 draft. He's probably going one or two behind Cat. But it's like nobody knew that in real time. There's no way you – nobody thought he was going to be better NBA player than D'Angelo Russell. 
nobody at the time did unless you were in Devin Booker's immediate family or were on the Kentucky coaching staff like yeah. <laughs> nobody believed that nobody knew that that was going to be the case and even still D'Angelo Russell has developed into like the last couple of years a 20 point per game score in the NBA nobody knew that Devin Booker would be better than Jaleel Okafor nobody knew that like so it's like you can't like, like people can't take those victory laps unless you like you were on that bandwagon on this player from day one mm-hmm. like like yeah he twitter has to chill with that like <laughs> like with the revisionist history or or hindsight is 2020 like of course everything you can say we should have did this in hindsight but i'm pretty sure the miami heat worked out devin booker i'm pretty sure they had him come in and work out just like they had justice winslow come in and work out i'm pretty sure they saw something in justice winslow at the time that made them want him nobody could predict that justice winslow was going to struggle to stay healthy at the nba level and that he would be traded by the heat after like three years with the with the franchise nobody knew that was gonna be the case now we'll see the players that end up hopefully changing the conversation and a lot of their perspectives this thursday with the nba draft i'm excited to see where scotty barnes ends up falling out but that is complete palm beach bias i will just 100 say it right there from your state yeah florida state uh seminole he's from he's from down there is there anything that you'd like to provide as far as game to the youth to try and make sure we avoid having uh some what's the best terminology to use for this some uh some pj scenarios what are some pj scenarios what are, some pj what are, some pj scenarios is there anything that you'd like to tell the youth to try to make sure that they uh, oh oh stay <laughs> out of those forms just, of scenarios it just <laughs> registered in my mind <laughs> this was going. yo okay uh some pj scenarios yo if Chances are, guys, if, if it sounds too good to be true, it, <laughs> it likely is. It likely is. Trust me. Like, if, if, if somebody, if you're a rookie coming in the NBA, if you're 19, 20 years old coming in and by chance Ruby Rose takes interest in you. <laughs> stay stay clear. It, it, just take it for what it is in that moment. Do not do not fall victim to it. Or just Shout out Ruby Rose, though. That's just an example, but like, just be smart. A very like, specific example. A very specific <laughs> example, I must say. It's kind of crazy. I want Ruby Rose to trap me, bro. I'm not gonna hold you. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, All right, you know what? <laughs> but no, seriously, like, just stay on your p's and q's, man. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the, it's a lot of a lot of things are gonna come with being drafted. You know, it's a lot of money is coming in, a lot of notoriety, a lot of attention. Just like stay sharp, stay on your p's and q's. Protect yourself, not just from from women, but just from please people in general. Like yes, people in general who have like ulterior motives, people who mm-hmm. weren't with you from day one, who are gonna make appearances in the next couple of weeks, months, years while you're on years the even, yep. Exactly, like just just try to be able to sift through the people that are really genuine, and that's probably the best advice you can get these guys outside of basketball. You talked about small market teams early, and we ended up seeing probably one of the earlier jumps as far as, well, not necessarily free agency, but definitely trades that have happened to kind of kick off a lot of that trade conversation that we're going to be seeing starting next week. It ends up involving one of the most coveted young athletes that we have in the NBA as of right now, because now we have some new teammates out in New Orleans. Yesterday, the Pelicans traded Eric Bledsoe, Stephen Adams, a number 10 and 40 overall picks in Thursday's draft and a 2022 first round top 10 protected from the Los Angeles Lakers to the Grizzlies for Jonas Valanciunas and the number 17 and 51 overall picks in Thursday's draft. And that is from Whoa, just Chris Hayes of Yahoo Sports noted Bledsoe is not expected to stay in Memphis. So he didn't even have to tweet, I don't want to be here this time. I think it's <laughs> nice and safe. Don't know where he's going to go as of yet. But how does it feel knowing that it looks like from the response of Milwaukee Bucks and small markets now being discussed a whole lot further? Looks like teams might have a little bit more uh, how can I explain it? They seem a little bit more comfortable to try and maneuver things around and maybe not even swing for the fences, but at least do something to try and make sure that their premier athletes, and especially an athlete as, as big as Zion Williams is as, is, is as of right now, make sure they stay happy and they stay put in the area that they are. Yeah, man. Uh, I think that this is a solid deal for the Pelicans. I, and I, I think it's a solid deal for for Memphis as well. Like, But for the Pelicans, let's start with their perspective, like you said. Like Zion Williamson, they have a, a potential 
Like Zion is probably one of the 25 best players in the NBA already. After 80, like 90 total games played, he's he's barely even played one season of NBA basketball. And we see, I've seen enough from him to to say he's comfortably in the top 25 players in in the NBA already. So the Pelicans, they probably watched this whole season and saw everything that that us fans saw, like Stephen Adams taking up space in the paint, Eric Bledsoe not not a shooter. And he's playing next to Zion. Like it was, it wasn't much space for him to operate, and he still was a walking twenty-seven points and mm-hmm. shooting nearly like seventy percent from the field. So, like, you got to be aggressive. And I think Valanciunas, while he is a traditional back to the basket type of five, he over the last couple of years he has shown he he can expand his game into being a viable three-point shooter and floor spacer. So, in in ways that Stephen Adams wasn't capable. So, I think that that makes the Pelicans better immediately next season, just off of a fit, like just off the fit of him next to Zion. And also like Blesso, he's still a very good NBA player, serviceable NBA player, but he didn't fit next to Zion, doesn't fit next to Brandon Ingram. Um, so I thought the Pelicans made us made a good deal and they don't need another lottery pick. They don't need to take another lottery pick. They've taken the lottery pick in the last like four drafts. They've drafted in a lottery in the last like four years. So they don't, they didn't need another one. So trading back to number 17, you still have a first round pick, but you, you aren't taking a lottery pick. So there's not the pressure to immediately play this kid or whoever it is you take at number 17. And even still, you could use that pick on draft night to trade it for something else. Or after you tra- you draft whoever it is, they can become a part of a trade package. So I think the big thing for them was one getting from underneath both the Bledsoe and Stephen Adams contracts. That was a huge deal for them. And then two, getting a five back in return who fits next to Zion Williamson. I think that this this kind of shows they are willing to make the right steps or take the right steps to build a playoff team around Zion and, and even Brandon Ingram, who was also an all star last season or two seasons ago. So I like the deal for the Pelicans. I like it for the for the Grizzlies as well, too. I was about to say, if New Orleans is 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 listening to some more trades, I mean, you know, there there, there uh, have been some reports and some rumors that I've liked about you know Brandon Ingram wearing the uh, the red and white if he ever if he ever chose to. New Orleans might uh might have some ideas or some uh, Miami get get Brandon Ingram down to South Beach. There might be some there might be some pieces that might sound intriguing to to New Orleans possibly. Tyler Hero gonna hold this trade up too. Is he gonna hold this one up as well? Or is well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you want, I mean, it, 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 I mean, I mean, it depends. You could, you could always <laughs> add some pieces. Oh, New Orleans can always add some pieces. You know, yeah. for 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 a star as as bright as Tyler Hero, you'd want to make sure that you get the most bang for your buck there. You know, you feel me? That's a fact. That's a fact. Why are you? <laughs> Nobody can see the smile that you are doing right now as you try and look away to the wall. What are you doing right now? Yo, nothing, man. I'm just I'm in agreement with you. You're the you're the president. What do you serve as the the vice president of basketball operations for the Miami Heat? If you, uh, you, it might it might have been it might, it might be a little bit of a smaller role. It might be a little bit of a smaller role. I would yes, say you're in the organization. Though, so like, hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take your lead on this. If you say something is gonna happen or this is in the best interest, hey, I'm listening to you, man. This is all you. Now Zion's not Zion's not going to be involved in in any uh in any trade rumors as of right now I would like to think but there have been two names well probably even more than two names I would say as far as those that are either going to be requesting trades or should be expecting to be heading to their front offices and requesting um releases different ventures fairly soon. Damian Lillard took last week throughout the USA uh, availability in his media to say that these are all fake none of these are going to happen even though he has been very critical of what has been happening in portland but now bradley beal is added to that conversation of a star who is getting ready to request some things and some greener pastures from the washington wizards jeff and i talked last week and even you provided some insight to us as well on what is to come for the Los Angeles Lakers search for a point guard. And those two names that have been involved in that have been Russell Westbrook, also out of Washington, and Chris Paul, who has literally just finished playing in NBA Finals. But depending on how that relationship ends in Phoenix, if it does end, those end up being the two names that are very attached to the Los Angeles Lakers. I highly doubt that Bradley Beal ends up being a LA Laker, but how does it feel knowing that Bradley Beal is now trying to is now trying to 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 
make his way out of a situation that he, it looks like he tried to stay there for as most as he could as far as from a mental space. Yeah, man, it's hard to say no to that money. Like the Wizards, they always were going to be able to offer him the most money just based off of being the team that drafted him. So I get it. And honestly, until like, even though they, they made the playoffs this year, so let's throw this year out the window. The last mm-hmm. two years, this is really the first time since his rookie year where they have been outright like terrible. Like his second year through like his fourth year, they were a consistent playoff team. And then John Wall tore his Achilles and that that altered the franchise's timeline. So seeing him potentially one out now, it's not really that surprising. He's made a lot of money with them already. Um, he's probably and I think Bill, he turns 28 this summer, this offseason. He'll be 28 going into the next season. So he's right in the middle of his prime. He's right in the middle of his prime. As we see, he's probably one of the 20 best players in the world right now. Uh, last two years, averaging 30-plus points per game. He probably is ready. Like, I've made a lot of money at this point. I'm going to be an all-star level player wherever I go. I'm open to, to being traded, especially to somewhere that is ready-made to contend. Like we, we've seen he's been connected to the Golden State Warriors, potentially, uh, as a destination. Like, we've heard the Lakers. We've heard a bunch of different plays. Over the last year or so, you've heard teams like the Miami Heat be mentioned as a potential landing spot for him. Everywhere you hear as a potential landing spot for him is a place that if he goes there, you can immediately kind of see them becoming contenders or if they're already contenders, becoming arguably the favorites. So I, I'm not surprised by him potentially wanting out. And if he wants if he wants out, that will lead to a full-blown rebuild for the Washington Wizards, which means yeah. <laughs> Russell Westbrook will be traded as well this offseason. <laughs> If Bradley Bill does indeed give the go-ahead on them trading him, Russell Westbrook will be gone as well. And all of that could end up popping off on Monday around 6 p.m., not only with re-signs. That could, which, that could happen on Thursday. Like, honestly, draft night. Like That's true, too. That could happen. Like, if the, the Warriors, like, the Athletic reported a couple of days ago that there have been talks about trying from – from Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson, from their their top three guys, like we want a guy that's more in line with our timeline instead of drafting two rookies to mm-hmm. play with us. And and the specific name, one of the specific names they mentioned was Bradley Beal. And so I wouldn't be shocked if come Thursday night on draft night you see the Warriors trade. They have the number seven pick and fourteenth overall pick. I wouldn't be surprised if Bradley Beal gives the go ahead on a trade by Thursday night, hypothetically. I don't think there's a team out there that has a better trade package than the Warriors offering James Wiseman, who was last year's number two pick, two lottery picks this year, and Andrew Wiggins. Like, if you're the Wizards, you immediately get the foundation of your team going forward with Mm -hmm. Wiseman and two lottery picks. And then you get a guy like Wiggins who can be a holdover or a stopgap as a scorer, a guy who can just, like, be the man on this team until we're ready to hand it over to whoever the next guy is going to be when we transition to the next phase of Wizards basketball. So... It could happen Thursday. We don't know yet. Like, that's the beauty of the NBA draft. There's always trades that go down that you just don't necessarily see coming or aren't prepared for. So the dominoes could fall as soon as Thursday for the Wizards. Yeah, that would be a very aggressive move from Golden State, I would say, that I think would shock a decent amount of people. But you'd have to look at it from a Golden State perspective that is probably not happy at all of how of how this, this postseason uh, ended. Klay Thompson is, is still on his way to returning. And you have a Stephen Curry and a Draymond Green that wants to continue contending in a Western Conference that still continues to be hot. There's been a lot of critique on Andrew Wiggins and his performance in Golden State. Uh, they already tried things out with D'Angelo Russell years ago before they ended up making the deal out to Minnesota. So Golden State fans are still are still very hungry. That's it. That Chase Center is not going to pay. The Chase Center is not going to pay for itself. There's not a lot of winning that's out there in San Francisco. And Steph is. Quiet as kept, Steph Curry is the, at the start of this next season. He's going to be 33 years old. That's like, crazy, right? That's like, fucking he, doesn't, crazy. he doesn't look the part, and it does feel like he really just kind of became a superstar not that long ago. Like, like you really think back to it, him winning both of those MVP awards, they were five and six years ago, but it doesn't even feel like it was that long ago. Like, so we are we're kind of entering that part of Steph's career where, as we just saw this past season, winning scoring title, like being first team all NBA, he's still one of those guys. Like he's still one of them ones. But we're at that point where you just never know. Like are we we're getting closer and closer to the end than we are to the prime in the beginning for him. So they need to be aggressive. Like you don't know how many more high level years you have from Steph. Like you just don't know. So 
if he says he wants them to go get Bradley Bill or somebody of that caliber, if you're the Warriors, you need to go get them, <laughs> especially if it's possible. Like, and Clay Thompson's not going to be back until at least probably December. So mm-hmm. they they need they need all the scoring they can get next to Steph Curry going next season. I saw a 2013-2014 photo of the Golden State Warriors. They look like little children. Yes. That was the first time they made the – that was the second year they made the playoffs. They made playoffs the year before, lost to the Spurs in the second round. That was the year they lost to the Clippers in round one, game seven, when the Clippers had the whole Donald Sterling fiasco around them. So, yeah. Yeah, so I think so. Yeah, I think so, yeah. 2013 was the one that uh, they played the Spurs and, and and Curry picked the ball up from the floor and shot a three over, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Patty Mills. And I was like, holy shit, what the hell was that? Yeah, I remember. I remember that. They beat the they beat the Nuggets in round one. Uh, Mark Jackson, not Mark Jackson. Uh, who was the coach of the Nuggets at the time? Um, George, was, George it was, George, was it still George Carl? George Carl was still there, right? That was, yeah. that was the Eagle, that was the Eagle Dollar Nuggets, right? Yeah, George Carl still maintains that Eagle Dollar was an inside – job <laughs> like what people, like, there's there you never heard this story before bro like, that dollar was, was selling on purpose yes like he knew he was going to golden state the next season <laughs> like there there's belief like they, he he played a role in like kind of like sabotaging the nuggets because they were the three seed if if you remember like the the nuggets were the three seed that year if i remember they were the three or the four seed mm-hmm. like, golden state was the lower seed and people had picked the nuggets to win that series and they lost because George Carl was coach of the year that year. Mm-hmm. George Carl was coach of the year that year. And and when when that happened, when they lost, like Mark Jackson, and not Mark Jackson, the very next, like as soon as free agency started, Eagle Dollar signed up the Warriors. Like Car- George Carl has has said before, he feels like Eagle Dollar was an inside job <laughs> with the Warriors. George Carl is fucking George Carl's a funny character. I ain't gonna lie to you. But Golden State Warriors. Well, from a Golden State Warriors perspective, one of their key players that are going to be situated are out in Tokyo right now. And thankfully for the United States men's basketball team, they have a much easier week than they had with dealing with France, at least. Lost to France in one of the opening preliminary rounds. Not all is over. Not all is lost for U.S. men's basketball, even though L is highly embarrassing after taking a look at our uh, history since 1992 in the USA. Something that I did not realize that after every three Olympics, something gets thrown off for USA men's basketball. I did not realize that. 92, 96, 2000, and then you have what happened in 2004. Then you have eight, 12, and 16, and now here we are 2021. in 2020 with something yeah. that ends up looking. I would say I wouldn't I, – I, it's kind of hard to jump at it immediately and say it's going to be how 2004 happened. I don't think bronze is happening for this team, but a lot of things would have to change in able to make sure that, one, you are able to play for a medal, and, two, that you're able to play very well to be able to get gold. But this week's very easy. Tomorrow yeah. at 1240 Eastern time, so it's a little bit after midnight, USA will play Iran, and then Saturday they play the Czech Republic at 8 a.m. So two Group A battles for the United States as of right now. They might not even be battles. I would like to think, oh, well, you had even you had even said before we ended up recording that both of these teams are getting smashed this week, in, in, your, in your opinion. Yeah, I don't see any avenue for the United States to struggle with either one of these teams. Like, with France going in, you knew that was going to be a tough game. They have six NBA players on their roster, four of their starters – are NBA guys who have either they're either currently in the league or they have NBA experience. So you knew that was going to be a tough game. Like you, you had to see, especially with how USA had been playing in the exhibitions and everything that was working against them, like Drew Holiday, Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, just getting into Tokyo like two days before the first game. So they didn't even get any practice or exhibition time with this team. And Bradley Beal having to go home because he – had to enter health and safety protocols. That was their starting shooting guard. We just talked about this guy's a top 20 player in the world, and he's not available to play on the team where you have to replace him with Keldon Johnson, a guy who was on the select team. Um, so it's just been a lot working against this team so far. So them losing to France, it's not all that surprising. And if there is a silver lining in the loss, even with them having like no real continuity or cohesion, they should have won that game. Like, mm-hmm. if, you, if you go back and look at it, 
they were in control. They were up like seven points with like two minutes. With three, play. yep. With yeah, three like, minutes left, I'd like to think. They were in a very good spot. You you figure you have a seven-point lead going to the home stretch of a game where you have Kevin Durant on your team, Damian Lillard, uh, Jason Tatum, all of these guys. You should be in a fairly good spot. So if there is a silver lining for the USA, it is that, look, we lost this first game. France is a tough opponent, but we can't shoot any worse than we shot at the end of that game. They had a bunch of open looks, quality looks, and they just couldn't make them. So there is a silver lining. But, yeah, Iran, that should be a W by by 30 points minimum. They need to win. They need a, a big win by 30, 40 points just to feel good about them, start feeling good about themselves. Alley-oops off the board, yeah. huge threes, taunting. Yeah. They need something like that to, to really like feel good about themselves. Not saying that these guys' confidence is shaking or they're rattled, but – you know, you just want to see a, a fairly easy victory where, yo, all right, we are still the United States. Like, I'm still Damian Lillard. I'm still Kevin Durant. I'm still Jason Tatum. I'm still Zach Levine. Like, we we should beat these teams like this. And then hopefully it builds some positive momentum into the Czech Republic game where I believe Czech Republic only has one NBA player on their roster. So, once again, not like France. So they, they just need to win both of these next two games, win them pretty decisively. They'll qualify for the medal knockout rounds with, with these two wins or whatever comes after the pool play. And at that point, you just hope that they, they've started to build a little bit of, of chemistry with one another and familiarity to where they can start ironing out some of these kinks. If Iran and Czech Republic end up getting banged out the way that we've described uh, throughout the past week, is it going to feel more, well, for at least from a viewer's perspective, is it going to feel more like our top athletes for the United States have, have pretty much made things gel as far as their own play, or will it be that Coach Popovic has finally found something that clicks with this team? Well, I'm going to say this. like If they beat both of these teams like I think they're supposed to, I can't take anything from them because – these two teams, like I said, they don't have NBA talent. Like the true measuring stick for this USA team is going to be once we go back up against a team like France or Australia, who also has six NBA players or a team like Spain, who has multiple guys who are either currently in NBA with like Marcus Gasol and Rubio or future Hall of Famer Pau Gasol. Like once we play those types, or even Nigeria, once again, Nigeria, I believe, has like six, five or six guys who have NBA experience. Mm -hmm. So we won't be able to really tell what it is with this team until we see them against another team of that quality. And we won't get to see that again until after they finish these uh, preliminary rounds and pool play or whatever. So you just want to see them start to like build some type of positive momentum. And like if they can feel good about themselves after these next two games, they'll feel good going into these games against teams with other NBA players. Like at the end of the day, even with these teams having five, six NBA guys, we are still the only roster in, in the whole field that has 12 NBA guys. Mm -hmm. And, like, people can say the world has caught up to us or whatever, but this team should still bring gold home. It might not be the same as 08 or 2012 or 19, 1992, like the three most talented teams, like, the world has ever seen in basketball. It might not be that, but yeah. we still have, like, four guys who average 26 points this year. Like, Kevin Durant is still on this team. Like, Jason Tatum is still on his team. Zach Levine, Damian Lillard, Devin Booker are still on his team. So the expectation is still to win win gold. It just might not be as easy as it has been in the past. But like I said, you won't be able to tell if they started to right their wrongs or, like, iron out any of the kinks until they go up against another formidable foe or opponent. Does Luka Doncic's 48, which is the second highest scoring debut ever in Olympics history, scare you? Uh, no, it doesn't scare me. Like, because one, they were playing Argentina. Like, come on now. Like, like, let's be serious. Like, this is not, this is not the 04 Argentinian team, like with Carlos Delfino or even Prime Luis Scola or Manu Ginobili. This is, they've fallen far since then. So, but 50 is a lot, right? You said what? But 50 is a lot, right? No, that 48. That 48 is a lot of points. That is, that is a lot. Don't get me wrong. Luca Doncic is a top 10 player in the world, but that does not move me because I, he should not get 48 against USA. There's not an who else is in, in the NBA is on that Slovenian team. I don't believe there is another guy. This is the first time they've ever qualified for the Olympics. So it gives you something you have to, you know, you're going to have to scout for him. And he's going to be number one, two, and three on the scouting report if the USA were to see Slovenia in this tournament. But it doesn't worry me because 
not that I say not to say Luka Doncic should be easy to shut down because there's no there's no such thing as being easy to shut down. But there's only one team in this field that's going to have multiple guys they can throw at him who can you can say adequately should be able to at least make life somewhat difficult. Like you could throw a Jason Tatum on him, you could throw a Kevin Durant on him, Keldon Johnson come in for five minutes or something and just muddy the game up. Like just make him uncomfortable. So it's 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 impressive. I wouldn't be surprised if he lights up a few other teams like that, but I don't think that that should happen if he play if he were to play the United States. I don't I don't envision that being the case. Salute to Luka Doncic though for sure. Like the only other NBA player that I see, well, at least that I can recognize on here, is Goran's brother Zoran Dragic. He's not even an NBA player, is he? Well, not well, well, not anymore at least. Yeah, so like the like Zoran Dragic is a good player, and I'm pretty sure he has some other talent on their team, but it shouldn't be an issue, like. My biggest issue with this whole conversation about the world is caught up to the United States. And like, it's a disingenuous conversation because the world caught us in a year where we had a truncated NBA season that ran into July. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of forced all of our top guys to not really want to play. Like, because we just ran this, this, it was, it's, it's the NBA season is usually a marathon, but it felt like a sprint this year. So and it was packed into a condensed schedule. So, like, yo, if we would have sent the team that we were originally playing to, yeah, like if yo, if we send like hypothetically, we send Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron, Katie, Anthony Davis, Paul. George, <laughs> this is not a this is not a like, combo. Yo, it's not a conversation, bro. Like, you're <laughs> not having this conversation. Like, come on, man. Like, it's disingenuous. And then when you see these guys bring up, oh well, uh. Giannis is foreign player and he's the best player in the world. Yeah, I mean he is a foreign player, but this is not the player that came from Greece. The player that came from Greece was not this. He developed mm. his game in the United States. All here. Yep. Exactly. Ben Simmons, another guy that I've seen people bring up. He played high school basketball in the United States. He played a season of college basketball in the United States. All of his developmental stages of basketball were here in America. And there are other same thing with Joel Embiid, and so like when when these people credit the world with catching up, yeah, the world is it has way more NBA talent than it ever has had before, but the top end guys, a lot of them were developed here in the United States. So I don't I don't subscribe to the thought the world is caught up to us. If we would have sent our twelve best guys, this if everything would have been according to normal, there was no COVID, anything like that. We would have sent a completely different team over there to Tokyo for the Olympics, and we would not be having this conversation. And I believe in 2024, when everything gets back on its regular cycle, I believe, like, yo, in 2024, we send prime Zion Williamson, Jason Tatum. Oh, man. And Trey Young to wreak havoc on the world, bro. It's <laughs> not gonna, we're not going to be having this conversation, bro. Like, they, the world caught the United States on a year where we had the NBA Finals run into two weeks before the Olympics started. Yeah, right. and you have three finalists now taking a plane. Yes, straight to Tokyo right after the damn finals ended. Yes, you saw in, in we had Steph Curry, LeBron, Le, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis having to heal up from injuries. Kawhi Leonard tearing his ACL in the last round of the playoffs. He played like just an unprecedented amount of injuries and attrition hit our country's best guys right before the Olympics started. Like, trust me, if we sent our best 12 guys over to the United States, Jason Tatum is like the 12th man. Like, Damian Lillard is like the 11th man. Like, mm-hmm. if we sent our best guys over. Damian Lillard might not even be on a team. <laughs> this is a guy who is a all-NBA guy. Like, a guy who I, we were just talking about him being on his team is still – he's clearly the best point guard in this whole field. And he probably isn't on this team if we send the exact 12 guys we want to send. So – like I said, I still expect this team to win gold, but people saying the world is caught up to us, I think that's disingenuous because we we didn't send our best guys. We didn't. And even still with us not sending our best guys, we are still expected to win. Like the fact that they lost to France and it was a surprise to people, that lets you know the expectation still for the United States. Like people need to slow down and calm down. The conversation is wild right now. You got to watch out, by the way. You can't be talking too spicy about my future point guard now. Come on now. Who's your future point guard? Daniel Lillard? You just named him, yeah. I, I love Dame. Like, great guy. I met him personally. Like, but I'm in my Stephen A bag right now. Like, hey, yo, <laughs> he, he's like a brother to me, but no. Oh, no. Like, I like Dame, but like, 
if we realistically were taking our best or the guys who fit FIBA basketball, most who have experience with it, they probably go Steph, Kyrie, and James Harden as the three-point guards on the team or primary ball handler. And Damian Lillard probably gets left home. So it's just reality of the situation. Like, but even still, like that tells you the talent level that's still in the NBA. Like when people say the world's caught up to us in a year in our off cycle where we don't get to take our absolute very best guys, we still took what the the third or fourth best point guard in the world as our starting point guard. Now, mm-hmm. like, come on now, like nobody else, no other country can bring a guy. Like if Slovenia didn't have their top three point guard options available <laughs> to come to the Olympics, they're they're fucked. They're screwed. Like. All right, we don't have Kyrie, we don't have Steph. Well, we'll just send Damian Lillard over there. Like this guy who averaged thirty points this year. Like, come on, man. Like, it's a different level of expectation and talent here. Like, the America still has the best guards in the world, still has the best perimeter players and wings in the world. Where we don't have the best in the more in the world anymore are big men. We don't have the best bigs in the world anymore. But even still, Anthony Davis is still arguably no worse than the third best big when fully healthy. He has an argument for being the best when he's at his full A game, and we didn't even take him this year because he's, he had to heal up from a groin injury and a calf strain that he battled through all year. So it just, it's unfortunate we, we, we had this situation happen where we couldn't take our very best guys. But if USA, by chance, in the next two weeks catches a stride and doesn't lose another game and runs through the field, it's going to look ridiculous, all these talks for the last 48 hours. <laughs> the world has caught up to us. Hopefully in 2024, the world is in a much better place where we can heal and see the uh, the 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 much different Olympic team in those years. But we still have 2020 to be able to watch. And hopefully this week is very easy to watch with USA men's basketball team. Make sure that you are sticking to the schedule with that. Again, NBA draft this Thursday. We will be tapped in with that between myself and jeff cam everybody over in elite as well and monday 6 p.m eastern standard time free agency starts cam appreciate you love having you on every time on rspn make sure that you tap in with cam on twitter at cameron underscore hey to be able to hear everything in the best in sports and music as well cam thank you so much bro no, I appreciate you for having me every time, man. Thank you. Jeff will be back next week. We will talk to the commissioner, Adam Silver, in our exit interview before we sign off for the season four finale. So make sure that you tune in next week for our last episode. We will see you then.